0: Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Highly Functional. This is Breanne Shoman and I am joined today by Dr. Mark Kukazela. Dr. Kukazela and I had a great conversation discussing the many different metabolic syndromes and conditions that we develop and how simple dietary changes can impact those in a positive way. And then we dove into the conversation of carbs, breaking down the myth of do we need carbs to survive? And more importantly, do we need carbs to perform? Whether you are an athlete, a clinician, or a coach, I think you'll find this conversation highly valuable. So let's tune in. Mark, thank you for joining me today. How are you?
1: I'm doing well, Brianne. It's a pleasure to be on from the East Coast here.
0: (laughs) Quite a time difference right now, but you know, that's the power of zoom it works
1: <laughs> yeah you guys don't even change time there so i don't even know what time it is in arizona <laughs> but eight o'clock here
0: we are three hours different now okay <laughs> but you are correct we do not change time it's a fun fact that a lot of people don't know
1: you guys are smart <laughs> <Whenever> <laughs> the, the spring comes and I, I usually get up at four o'clock to run so then it, now it's three o'clock <laughs> like, whenever- <laughs> Monday is an ugly Monday, right?
0: So maybe not that four days, Somewhere in that
1: range, you know, four or five o'clock early morning.
0: I've heard there's a number of states that are working on getting it switched. So they aren't changing time anymore, but we'll see how soon that happens. I,
1: I think we have more important problems in our country right now.
0: <laughs> than time
1: yeah, just, a, just a few. Just a,
0: just a couple. I would agree with that. <laughs> awesome well i'm excited to get you on here you are a knowledge of wealth in a lot of different arenas um but primarily what i want to focus on tonight is kind of uncovering some of those myths or discussing some of those myths and things that lie around nutrition and carbs and some of these different medical conditions that um are almost like a nutrition underlying cause. So um, we'll dive into that. But first of all, who are you, Mark?
1: Gosh, well, I'm I'm 54. I'm a professor of medicine at West Virginia University School of Medicine. So my field's family medicine. Um, And the Air Force, I just retired 29 years, I was in the field of flight medicine. So we try to keep air crew well. So I've done a diverse uh, number of things in my life in medicine a lot of sports med running medicine like what you do pt you know injury prevention treatment um, exercise physiology performance do hospital medicine have a clinic now devoted to diabetes remission meaning taking these uh, type 2 adult type diabetes and you know which is a dietary condition for the most part and we can make that go away so really Trying to create that paradigm that type two diabetes, which is 95% of diabetes in America now can go away. If, if you know what to do, type one is a little, is different. So we just need, we can talk about that, just differentiate those two. So it's kind of like metabolic rehab. <laughs> so <you do> phys- <laughs> Yeah, it is. It's, it's, my clinic is metabolic rehab. You know, you take broken people, you know, who are metabolically broken and try to make them well metabolically, and a metabolically unwell person is not a well person. That's, that, I think that's inarguable. That's, that's the goal.
0: Yeah. Metabolic rehab. I like that term.
1: <laughs> yeah. That's an ongoing process, right? Rehab is not like, you know, do something for a week. It's, and then it's maintenance, right? After rehab, it's maintenance. Okay. So you recover your healthy state. All right, let me just go back and do all the wrong things again. <laughs> right, you're, you know, you're overtraining, you're using the wrong shoes, you're running completely wonky. Well, we fixed you, not just go back and do what broke you before.
0: Right, exactly.
1: Yeah. Always a solution, be, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's let's, let's uh, sort it out.
0: Absolutely. When talking about metabolic conditions, um, I guess that's probably the best word for it. It's more than just diabetes that can be in that. So kind of what are the different metabolic conditions that we're talking about?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. I think the basics, let's just talk about what a normal human should be able to do in a well state. So a normal human in a well state should be able to use body fat as fuel. You know, you eat a meal, maybe you got a little glucose on board, you're utilizing that, but a healthy body can use fat as fuel when you need to use fat as fuel. For example, like, you know, maybe your grandparents, right? You had dinner, didn't snack all night, went to bed. Maybe they lived on a farm. They got up and did some real work, right? They weren't hungry. They didn't need to eat an energy bar. Their body's making energy. Then they come home and have a big farm breakfast. So when insulin is up, we're storing. So when you know carbohydrates raise insulin, we're storing. And when insulin is down, we can access body fat for fuel. So irregardless of weight gain or loss, so if a body can actually access the body fat stores, whether you're living, sleeping, running, biking, doing an obstacle race, that's just a, a good place to be because then then you're good, right? You're never worried that, gosh, I'm going to run out of energy. So, I mean, really, I mean, humans do not, you know, if we're well, we don't run out of energy. You know, we're designed to live, you know, weeks at a time without a McDonald's if it required that. Um, But we've kind of broken ourselves that now we we cannot tap into that body fat. That's a metabolically unwell person. They have a condition called insulin resistance. High insulin levels inhibit our body's ability to use fat as fuel. So that's what we're trying to create, irregardless of sports or age or, you know, any other, that's a well-conditioned, and unfortunately, Brian, that's 12% of our country right now. That's probably the most recent kind of well-published study, you know, showing, do you have no markers of metabolic ill health? You know, now it's a minority of people who are in that state, whether they're lining up for your local 5K or, you know, at the walmart walking around the aisle so just because people are lining up for a 5k because they signed up doesn't mean they're well so and there's some simple ways we can assess that in people um we, we can talk about that but that's really what, what we want people to understand it's not about it's not about what type of diet someone's eating it's about are they well or not well and if they're not well it's tweak multiple things the diet being one of them you know there's other levers too, for sure, you know, sleep movement and other stressors in their life, medications that can drive that storage state.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, since we're on this discussion, let's dive into those markers as far as like, are what people can kind of start looking for in themselves to figure out, like, are they well or is there something that needs to be worked on?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, you don't even need a lab test. So, can you actually like eat dinner, not snack, wake up and go for a run, come back and have breakfast? You know, if you can do that, you're probably pretty good. <laughs> you know, can, yeah. So, I mean, you have dinner and, you know, Sunday run, meet your friends at nine o'clock, not four o'clock, you know, go for a nice run. You know, you don't need to gel up, right? Have some electrolytes, go for a run, come home and have, you've worked up an appetite, have a nice breakfast. So your body, if you're able to do that, your body's uh, using fat as fuel. You know, that's a, if you're hungry every four to six hours all day, you know, you're, you're basically you're eating carbohydrates, glucose, spiking your insulin, spiking your carbs, you kind of crash. So, so if you need an energy bar, like if you feel like, gosh, I need an energy bar, that means your body does not know how to make energy. You know, some of the markers you would have just, uh, you know, whether in your doctor's office, if you have a my chart, you can pull them up on your lab. So it's called the metabolic syndrome. So if you've got three or five of these, you know, you got the full syndrome, five of five, and you're at huge risk for heart disease. And if you have your phone now and want to look up your labs, it's pretty easy. But the first one is do you have a belly? You know, because that storage of visceral fat. So if you're storing weight in your belly each year, you got more, you got the COVID-19, right? So you're, you know, this winter you gain <laughs> two more inches on your belly. That means you're storing. You know, that means you're storing in your belly. You're not, that's your your electric battery per se, right? That's the big electric battery that you want to use. And if that's getting larger, that means you ain't using it. So, that waist circumference, and you should be able to take two times your waist, you know, get a little piece of string or something, um, two times around your waist should be less than your height. So, if you're at home now and you got a 40 inch waist and you want to go run a 5K, you know, I'm trying to think 40 times two, how you better be in the NBA. (laughs) Well, you know, and that's the waist. So, I don't like BMI as a marker because if you took, you know, the front line of the, you know, any, you know, college football team. They're obese, but they, they don't have a waist. They've got muscle mass. They're, they're completely uber well. Um, but that's not, the, the, the people with BMIs of 40 in my state aren't on the WVU football team. I'm at West Virginia University. So they're more the people you would see at Walmart with sodas and white bread in their cart, you know, and those type of things. They just don't know, they, they're, they're not knowledgeable of that. But yeah, if you're shaped like an apple, right? That's, we all know that that's not good. If you're shaped like a pear, you know, especially ladies, they store body fat different. You know, they don't like it, but that's not an it's not a poor health marker. Actually, the the, the ladies who store in a pair uh, type of pattern actually live longer than than the than the mean. So, but it's and that's a tougher weight to lose. You know, the other marker is a high triglyceride on your labs. So you're your liver will package carbohydrates as triglycerides. So if you have high triglyceride, you're storing and packaging. And what happens is that phenomena that happens in the liver drives HDL, which is kind of called the good cholesterol. Even though cholesterol is not good or bad, it's essential for every cellular function in our body. So it's not like good or bad cholesterol, but these are markers. So a high triglyceride and a low HDL is another marker of this kind of storage condition. You know, if you're a well person, your HDL should be higher than your triglyceride level. So you could look that up on your labs, a glucose level. So impaired glucose tolerance, you know, which is kind of before diabetes, people will store hundred, 200. I have some patients who are 600 pounds, don't even have full diabetes yet because they store really well, but they do have a bit of impaired glucose tolerance. So if you have impaired glucose tolerance, a morning fasting sugar greater than 100 or a hemoglobin A1C approaching pre-diabetes, which would be something like 5.7, you know, you, you that's another check. So you're like, okay, it's like the branches of a weed, you know, how many of these boxes, how many of these branches do you have? You know, the last one would be a high blood pressure, you know, so pre-hypertension, hypertension, you know, it's all, it's not a, a disease. It's a, it's a syndrome, you know, high insulin levels kind of drive that arterial stiffness, drive sodium and water retention. But what we tend to do, Brian, in the medical model is like, say, say it's a, a weed with five branches. You know, we give you a, if you're got a waste. We just tell you to eat less and exercise more, which, which doesn't work. You can trust me there. It's not a, exercise deficiency. It's it's a hormonal dysregulation. If they've got any trouble with anything to do with their cholesterol numbers, they just get put on a statin medication. If their glucose is high, we say, well, it's just pre-diabetes or we'll give them a medication for that. Um, and if their blood pressure is high, we'll give them a medication for that. Now, at the root of all those conditions called the metabolic syndrome is high insulin state, insulin resistance, you know, which was described, you know, I'm not kind of just making this up, the guy who really was the the godfather of it, his name is Gerald Raven, published a thousand papers, so you can look him up. He he described the syndrome, syndrome X, or insulin resistance syndrome, in about 1980, and spent his whole career studying and publishing this syndrome, which is really tied to most of the modern illness we see, you know, whether it's cardiovascular disease, non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, sleep apnea, polycystic ovary disease. You know, certainly type two diabetes and obesity, certain types of dementia and Alzheimer's—they now call type three diabetes—and many forms of cancer are driven by this high insulin state, which is a growth factor. So it is—it is full catastrophe. You know, and it's staring right at us. And that, like, and why don't we understand this? Every day baffles me when you know patients walk in and they've got the full spectrum. And they, they staring right at them and do you' know, do you know you have this thing and they're like they look at you like you got two heads you know and then you have to oh that makes sense but they're you know it's, i think it's not the patient's fault i think as an education and medical system you know we really need to teach and understand this condition or else we're not getting out of this pandemic right the pandemic that is not going away is obesity and diabetes we have not yet flattened the curve i just published an article on this. Uh, You know, is it time to lock down sugar? It took like 10 months to get it through the publication channels. You know, the best protection against COVID, sure, get your vaccine, but the best vaccine is become healthy again. And you will very unlikely be six foot distanced under the grass. You know, I don't say that disrespectfully, but if you're not well and you get COVID, you might have that problem. If you're well, very remote odds that you won't have any adverse effect of COVID. But get your vaccine. I've had my vaccine <laughs> yeah. it's available to you. So. Right. The, right.
0: You know, the vaccine no is definitely doubt, important, so. but um, yeah, there's so much when you start looking into it linked to like all these underlying conditions have to do with like gut health and these metabolic syndromes and just like poor nutrition and um like it's it's really Fascinating when you start looking into it, just kind of see the connection between the COVID symptoms and like, I'm not saying that there's not outliers that like really healthy people have bad symptoms too, but they have found quite a few connections between.
1: Oh, for sure. That. We could share the paper in your show notes, but yeah, it's all about odds, you know? So yeah, and it makes the news when a completely well person gets really sick or dies of COVID. You know that's news because it's new because that's unusual when when another person with diabetes and obesity dies of COVID. You know it's another one of the I don't know how many million millions around the world have have passed of COVID now. It's in I don't know if it's in the millions, but it's pretty darn high. Five hundred thousand COVID deaths in the U.S. So I would assume it's over a million worldwide. So so yeah, it's sad. It's it's indeed sad. So. Time to fix the roof now when the sun is shining. If <laughs> you know you got it's springtime, right? And whenever the next wave of mutants or variants are gonna come around, you got to <laughs> I mean, we're all gonna get get out of shape in the winter, right? Let's let's all just like take care of her, get back in shape, right? Metabolic shape, getting metabolic fitness between now and the fall. <laughs> if you're listening. Yes. Right? Actually, Whatever. just
0: saw a post today from a naturopath I know here locally. And, um, I don't know where she saw it if she saw it on social media or what, but it was like, Krispy Kreme is giving like a free donut to people. If they show like that, they've been vaccinated and she, her, like, oh it was like God. this vent of like, have we not figured anything out? Leah, like how about we clean up
1: our nutrition? But, you know, it's fair. I work in a hospital brand and, and they bring, you know, I mean, healthcare workers, right. So, you know, people are delivering junk food to the nurse's station on night shift and, you know, the nurses night, night shift work is complete metabolic disaster. Mm-hmm. You know, another whole topic, what circadian mismatch does, but you combine night shift work with food at the station, <laughs> look at your average cop <laughs> or EMS or firefighter. They've got the highest rates of cardiovascular disease of any profession, highest rates of obesity of any profession. And these people are not lazy or gluttonous. It's, these are hard working people. But the whole it's it's like the perfect storm to create complete metabolic mayhem. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, so
1: we should not if if you like your place and fire people, do not give them donuts. Okay, (laughs) bring them some uh, good cheese, right? Some fresh mozzarella, you know, (laughs) some nice salami, you know, something that could put in the fridge and stay there, right? Like that 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 can last for weeks. Bring them some hard-boiled eggs.
0: I like that suggestion there.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's showing them love you know even some fresh fruit would be fine you know yeah absolutely processed muffins
0: so where I mean I know a lot of the research is skewed a lot of the research has been ignored when it comes to like how all of our food standards have gotten developed and I know a lot of stuff has just kind of been brushed under the rug and that's why we're like but where's the disconnect essentially that majority of physicians just like well, let's medicate everything rather than how can we actually like address this at its cause
1: we never learned it in school <laughs> <laughs> you know so and and i mean look you did pt school Brian. so i mean medical school is driven by industry and pharma mm-hmm. i mean it really is they, they run the show and uh we learn pharmacology Pills to treat conditions. I didn't have a single lecture on deprescribing medications, meaning taking them away. I gave a talk today. Do we have a metabolic health group in our state on deprescribing diabetes medications? You know, how do we take them away with, with dietary change? So, so the, the medical industry has no incentive to make people well. You know, neither does the hospital industry. We're a for-profit healthcare system. And so until we change that, I don't think we'll ever change things because. You know, we're incentivized, I'm incentivized to do more, order more, prescribe more. You know, that's how I can bill more. My hospital makes more if I order MRIs on everybody and do 12 more referrals. So there's no really incentive to kind of shut it down a little bit and be more thoughtful. I was in a military environment before the civilian environment, which is like a national health care system. You have limited resources, and our goal is to keep people fit to fight. So it was it was kind of unusual when I left that model. I had never I didn't know what a code was, you know, like I just got up and went to work and tried to get people back to duty. This, this is all I did, you know, and, and pull the ones from duty who probably could put their crew at risk. And that that was my only mission every day. I knew nothing. I didn't get a, a performance report of revenue value, whatever they're called. You know, if my supervisor thought I sucked, he would probably tell me straight to my face. But if I was doing a good job, they would just leave me alone. So, so, the whole system is upside down in incentives. But I think the way we've learned, you know, has really been influenced by, you know, the the you know conventional wisdom and cognitive entrenchment. Meaning, you know, before 1970, every every way of eating for diabetes or obesity reduced carbohydrates. I mean, that was just in every textbook. But then in the 70s, we had this hypothesis, which was really driven by some influential people, and went to the Senate floor without any scientific evidence. It was called the diet heart hypothesis. And Gary Taubes just read his first book, which was written in 2008, called um, "Good Calories, Bad Calories." You know, he spent like 10 years researching that book. And this is before I even really under, he wrote that before I learned about this. I've, I've been an advocate for low carbohydrate eating for about 10 years, when I actually went back and read the science. But the diet heart hypothesis, brand was this. You eat fat and cholesterol, i.e. eat an egg, it raises your blood cholesterol and that blood cholesterol clogs your arteries. Okay, done deal, right? That's hypothesis equals fact, right? And we know in science, we have a hypothesis, we test the hypothesis. And if our test does not confirm the hypothesis, our hypothesis is wrong. So that hypothesis has been tested again and again in randomized controlled trials and in just basic population database, which is the world. And uh, how did that hypothesis work out? It didn't. <laughs> it didn't. Right. So we were wrong. So we have to have intellectual humility. Right. So 10 years ago, maybe 12 years ago, I've been teaching the opposite for 10 years. I would have said, if you came into my clinic, you know, Brian, and you were hundred pounds overweight, I'd say, well, if you burn 500 more calories with exercise than you eat, that's a 500 calorie deficit over seven days. That's, you know, that's 3,500 calories. That'll be a pound. So if you do that every day for a year, you know, you might lose 52 pounds. And maybe if you did that every day for 10 years, you would lose 520 pounds right because what was your original birth weight so maybe if if that equation was right you would become your original weight again but that's that's really the (laughs) logic of it all but we knew that that's not true you know even these studies going back to the Minnesota starvation study which is fascinating which shows what happens to a body in a starvation state it was done in the 40s and, you know, with conscientious objectors in the war, I mean, the, the, the weight loss just flattens out. The body will protect itself if you starve it, mm-hmm. um, but, but it's a hormonal dysregulation. So, so that was, was wrong, you know, and, and I mean, all the studies since that time, you know, eating an egg does not raise the type of blood cholesterol, which has any ill effect on your arteries. Inflammation affects your arteries small dense ldl particles which is driven by this insulin resistance so if you smoke and have diabetes your arteries are inflamed they're vulnerable to attack and that's how you get sick period <laughs> so yeah i mean it's bad stress that's will awesome. inflame your arteries and there's probably things in the air too you know there's you know, you know when we were when i was active duty there's a lot of nasty stuff coming back from the middle east and otherwise well people You know, if anyone kind of witnessed what was happening in the first Persian Gulf War, just looking at the air on CNN, you're like, that stuff looks pretty nasty. So there's a lot of nasty stuff out there. But I mean, the big rocks that we can control are tobacco, type 2 diabetes, and maybe the toxic stress people are under, you know, but, you know, COVID has, has ramped that up, right? Economic stress, family stress, you know, children having difficulty with Zoom schooling and yeah, a lot of stuff
0: even adults having difficulty with zoom. Yes.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That kind of stuff, right? Yeah. That's the kind of stuff that doesn't just go away with a nice jog in the morning, right? That's yeah, <laughs> something go for a jog, you know, pet my dog and it's all good. That's that, that stuff's manageable.
0: Yeah. And I think a big, and I, w- I do want to dive into more of like the dietary changes that people can make, but I think a big factor that people forget about is how much, Lack of sleep, increased stress, um, you know, and all these lifestyle things impact our hormones, which ultimately impacts how our body responds to, to weight, to food, to everything. Mm -hmm. Now let's take a quick break to talk about Equip Foods. Equip Foods is a supplement line, but what I really love about them is their products are made with 100% real food products. There's no fillers, there's no chemicals, there's nothing artificial in it. So everything that you are putting into your body when you consume their products is good for you. And they don't just have the normal protein and pre-workout type supplements. They also have products for decreasing inflammation, for joint health, for circulation, for all sorts of things that just help you be an overall healthier person. So go check out everything Equip Foods has to offer at Equip, E-Q-U-I-P, foods.com. And at checkout, if you use code F-I-X-15, that is F-I-X-1-5, you can save 15% on your order. You can also get a link to Equip Foods and all my other partners at GetYourFixPT.com slash partners. And now let's get back to our conversation.
1: Yeah, so true. I mean, the two biggest drivers of storage, two hormonal drivers, are insulin. You know, which is driven mostly by processed carbohydrates. Uh, Vegetable oils will also drive this too. So it's not just the carbs, but these are these highly refined vegetable oils that cause inflammation through a liver pathway and oxidative pathway. So your perfect storm is the trifecta of sugar processed white flour and these processed oils soybean oil vegetable oil canola oil so if you pick up a packaged muffin at the store and you flip the package it might say two grams of whole grains or something you know on the front but just flip it around and if it's got ton added sugar processed flour and vegetable oil in it which they all do because that makes it shelf stable Put it back, so, so that trifecta. But then cortisol too. So you mentioned sleep. So cortisol is also a a, a growth storage a hormonal dysregulator. So if anyone listening to this has been put on a you know one month course of prednisone, you know, say you had something and your body just you want to eat all the time, your mood's whacked, and your body just all of a sudden starts gaining weight. You know, you got the munchies all the time. So if you're under stress. You know you're not sleeping you have sleep apnea which you know if you have obesity your odds of sleep apnea are like super high that's where you know your body stores this visceral fat not just around the waist it also stores it if you have a double chin you've got it right like that's what you have and and that whole airway is actually engulfed in visceral fat it collapses at night so your sleep you don't get into that that deep stage of sleep and that's also really dysregulates things Mm-hmm. You know, so we assess almost all of our patients for sleep apnea because if they want to fix their diet, but they're not sleeping, you know, we're probably all wasting our time. You know, we really need to sort that out first, but cortisol stress, right? You're in a bad relationship. Your kid's in trouble taking care of a sick family member, job stress, right? Financial stress, trying to pay the bills, you know, maybe you got your stimulus. So you get a little bit of a, a little bit of reprieve, for the, <laughs> you know, your landlords after you, cause you can't, I mean, look at it. It's, full, your business just closed. I own a small business, a little running store, you know, so we got really creative, you know, in PPP loans, but it was a lot of stress. You know, I wanted to keep all my employees completely employed. You know, we're like, we're going to ride this damn thing out. You know, know, we're not going to let this little virus, you know, small business is hard, right? You look at the bullets coming at small businesses in your community. And then you got this thing called COVID, you know, you don't have any margin. You know, if you're in a small business, you're just trying to pay the, pay the rent every month.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. Those are the big drivers, insulin and cortisol. So just uh, know those two, know where they are in your body. You know, are they appropriate or are they not appropriate?
0: Yeah, that's great. Great advice. So when we're looking at like, if someone is listening and has like known metabolic issues, on medication, cause that's a lot of people in this world. What are some things they can start doing on their own that they don't necessarily need to go consult their doctor before making changes? What are some things they can start doing on their own to start attacking it from, from a like root cause standpoint?
1: Yeah. I mean, this is not rocket science. So assuming they're not on high dose insulin, so there's two medications that if you're on these you would need to talk to your doctor or just make sure you lower these medications and I have a glucometer i have a continuous glucose monitor on, on my arm or something that can measure your sugar so there, if you're on high dose insulin injectable or a medication called a sulfonylurea which kind of makes your pancreas squeeze out more insulin because if all of a sudden you stop all the sugar in your diet and you're on these medications which drive your sugar down You can go low, you can get a hypo, a low blood sugar. But if you're not on any diabetic medications, there's really no risk or downside into just eating real food, right? That that should not, you don't need your doctor's permission to not eat junk food, not eat flour, not eat sugar, to eat what is actually an ancestral human diet. You know, we really evolved to eat plants and animals. You know, it's in our DNA. We got, I don't know, you'd have to talk to my friend, Dan Lieberman, how many millions of years, Homo sapiens, were existing and, you know, thriving, maybe struggling depending on the famine situation of the world, but we evolved to eat plants and animals. You know, so we hunt them, we fish them, we gather them. You know, these aren't kind of your modern monocropped plants or GMO sugar loaded bananas. These are things you would pick and berries and and fish for and, and things that the animals would produce. Maybe, you know, you get some eggs and some full fat dairy. So those are real foods. There's absolutely, that's, that's not an extreme way of eating. That's, I mean, it's not low carb by any definition. That's just called human diet. You know, so, so to get rid of 60% of what humans eat now in a developed part of the world is ultra processed foods. Meaning they contain those three trifecta ingredients I just <laughs> told you, sugar, white flour, processed flour and vegetable oils. So get rid of all that and see how you feel. You know, there's absolutely no downside into eating things that were once alive that would rot if they were left on your counter. I don't have a cabinet. I have no idea what is in my, you know, pantry, I guess you'd call it, all right? So the only foods I eat come out of my fridge or freezer, period. I have no idea what's in the pantry. And that, <laughs> that's awesome. That's all you need to know, right? And if you flip the back of a package and it has more than five ingredients and it has any of the white flour added sugar, vegetable oils, even if it says like healthy whole grain on the front, you know, it's just, that's the front of the package is an ad. The back of the package is what's in it. So that's, that's what anyone can do, whether they're metabolically broken or well, that's just going to keep you well. Yeah, absolutely.
0: And say, I do have food in my pantry, but it is my nuts.
1: My yeah, nut butter okay, and my are, coconut yeah. water. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah. So, nuts would be something that maybe in a pantry that, you know, <laughs> that's, a, that's a, a plant that would be gathered.
0: Yeah. And I think it's important to mention, too, that because for so many years, like I'm a child of the 80s and, you know, fats were bad. Everything was low fat. And I, there's still so many people that are in this mindset of fat is bad and so they're afraid of avocado nuts, putting oils on foods and, and all of this, um, like afraid of coconut oil because it's a saturated fat. And yeah. I think it's important to also recognize that it's like fat isn't bad for us.
1: No, no, we have to get rid of the fear of fat. We have to get rid, and that is in the literature. So healthy fats do not cause someone to be fat, i.e. obesity, which is a metabolic condition. So eating the healthy fats and eggs and all that thing does not, that's real food. High insulin and metabolically broken state will develop these conditions. But yeah, it's so hard because the world is so entrenched in that it's, you know, even in the, you know, USDA dietary guidelines, scientific documents, 2015, they said fat and cholesterol are no longer nutrients of concern, you know, in their scientific language, meaning you know, if you read the 800 page scientific part of that, it's like, no, eating fats and eating cholesterol does not raise blood, fat or cholesterol. So the USDA even capped, they removed the caps on fats. They mm-hmm. removed the caps on saturated fats. So in the scientific literature, there's no caps on this stuff. It's, it's, it's fine. But, but how that translates to practical and people's knowledge because no kidding, they still go to clinicians, they still get taught by, you know, nutritional educators who've been doing the same thing for 30 years. Mm-hmm. And we have to, we, I mean, if we're gonna be scientific thinkers in this, we have to relook at the science. And we have to be honest and get even the you know, the American Diabetes Association in 2019 made this statement in their you know big 140-page document that nobody reads. They said the most, not not just a the most impactful way of controlling and reducing blood sugar is is reduce the uh, carbohydrate content of the diet okay yeah the most (laughs) yeah i mean not a way the most important the most powerful way you know but but it's buried It, it takes in medicine it takes 30 years before something this profound becomes you know there's innovators early adopters and there's kind of the herd and then there's laggards but you know i don't even think we've crossed the chasm yet between you know people that are early thinkers here even to you know you got early adopters and then you got the early majority herd so so it just when when does your, does something cross over be, to become completely accepted it seems like we move backwards every step forwards
0: it really does like and and it's why you know it's one of my missions with this podcast is getting people on to talk about these things that you know are misunderstood just because there is so much that as things have changed more recently in the past five, ten years, a lot of people still aren't up to date on all of that stuff. They're still set in their previous ways. And, and there is this huge like delay in what really happens.
1: Yeah. And I think some of it comes to, you know, if you have someone who's entirely well, who's can eat, you know, variety of things, but they're not metabolically broken. They exercise you know, those are the people that tend to be giving advice. And I don't think there's any ill intent, but they don't understand the other side. Mm -hmm. Well, well, this other person, their body doesn't behave that way. Yeah. 10 years ago, I was diagnosed with a condition that doesn't make the insulin. So I was what was called maturity onset diabetes of youth. I was making just enough insulin to stay off of medication if I locked my carbs down to 20, 30 grams a day. So it was kind of put right at me to I mean, no one was doing this then, but I, I I knew a bit of the literature from working with obese military soldiers. I was learning about this, and then I I put a monitor on myself then, and I was like, oh my gosh, I can create completely stable blood sugars. And you know, I was a runner. I ran in college. You know, competed all over the place, running marathons. You know, I was eating probably six to nine hundred grams of carbohydrates a day. You know, my early competitive years, and then I like within a week flipped it upside down to control my blood sugar you know, and, and my marathon times, you know, after, you know, maybe a month or two transition, you know, then I could actually like go for a weekend, two hour run and not need gels or bars. It was actually a wonderful, I didn't wake up at two in the morning. Like I didn't need to snack. I could eat. I was like, it just took completely restored how I felt. And that made me want to like, okay, there is something to this, you know, before I would suggest anyone do anything, it was about two years before I kind of came out of the closet, so to speak, and actually speak to medical groups about this. <laughs> because if you're doing something for a couple of weeks that no one else is doing, you know, like no one at that time was like low carb marathon running, you know, you're, you're kind of quiet, like you just kind of leave it alone. And then, then Vinnie Vilek, other people start publishing on it. You know, you go to the lab and you've you know, been Exercise tested multiple times. You know, I can burn close to two grams per minute of fat at 90% of my VO2 max, which is again, we talk about like that's the tank you want to be in, is if you can access your body fat as fuel, you know, at, at high intensities, that's that's great, right? Yeah, <laughs> then you don't absolutely. need to you don't need to eat the energy, your body's making it. You know, absolutely. your body's making the energy, but that's a that's that's not a one-week switch to fully switch your energy systems, and it's an option. You know, I, I believe it's a it's a more healthier option for the long-term mm-hmm. because there's less inflammation from fat oxidation. You know, if you look at fuel sources, you know, you could look at sugar like a, you know, gas burning, you know, you got more exhaust, more power, and look at fat burning like a Tesla, you know? It's like <laughs> a big electric like battery, right? It's run a long time, really clean burning, really efficient, might not be as powerful, but flexibility is really where it's at. So if you can actually tap in when you need to, you know, use, you know, just hum along on that electric battery, but then like a Prius or something like a hybrid, you know, heartbreak hill at the Boston Marathon, you know, you got to tighten the screws a little bit. Yeah. You kind of bump into glucose a little bit there, but then settle back into your fat burning and and get to the line, you know, without (laughs) the wall, you know, I mean, this wall does not exist. I think it was made up by the gatorade industry or something you know? <laughs> yeah i mean what is the wall you know what is this wall that's that's put in you i, I don't i don't see it I, I mean your muscles can get trashed if you run down the hills too fast but i don't think it's a glycogen issue yeah if, if you've trained your body correctly there's other issues that can make you destroy yourself <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> in obstacle races. you know
0: there's lots of ways you can lots
1: of ways correctly. you can correct yourself <laughs> That's why you need a good coach. Right? <laughs> exactly. And that's why you need to train and practice. So you don't make that mistake, you know, go try to make that mistake in practice. so well, that was not a good way to do it. But...
0: Yeah, no, no. Don't test your food choices. Thracing. No,
1: <laughs> but if you don't need like, if you don't need food choices, that's one huge thing, right? Like if you can go, did a hundred miler this fall. And I I think I'd like counted the calories. Like when I went back and probably about 1500 calories, you know, for a hundred mile trail run, Mm -hmm. because you know, everyone in these ultras, they say their stomach goes right. Because they're trying to get like 400 calories an hour, you know, and your body just can't, like when you're working like that, you know, you can't digest it. So, Mm -hmm. you know, if you don't need those calories, that's just one big piece of the error bars in in an ultra you know there's a lot of stuff can go wrong in a hundred miler but but if you're if you know if you're not worried about your food strategy because you don't have a food strategy because you don't need a food strategy (laughs) right yeah other than if you're hungry you eat right you're like okay i get to this aid station i'm a little bit hungry you know and you see like a quesadilla or something that looks pretty good like your your brain will kind of tell you or yeah, maybe there's some salty broth because it's cold and it's at night. Oh yeah, give me some of that salty broth. That looks really good. You're, you're, intuitively, your brain will tell you like what you need when you need it. Mm-hmm. If Very, you true. it in. Very true.
0: Well, awesome. i uh, start wrapping it up a little bit here. Anything we did not discuss that you feel would be super important for my listeners to hear?
1: Yeah, so super important is Assess your own metabolic health. So a healthy body can burn fat as fuel, you know, whether you're just not exercising at all, right. You know, or if you're trying to do an obstacle race and, and that's mostly determined by your diet. Um, and different people have different levels of carbohydrate tolerance. You know, if I've got teenage kids, right, they have growth hormone, they got testosterone, they can come home and they can eat full on pizzas. Their, their bodies are they can tolerate those carbohydrates because they're growing. Um, but most of us now do not want to be growing, at least. <laughs> right? <laughs> Would that be a fair? Unless there's like 12-year-olds listening to this podcast right now. Yeah, it most of us now muscle, do not. But
0: live. that's about it.
1: <laughs> yeah, and we want to keep our muscle, right? So as we get older, I'm 54, we want to keep our muscle mass. So protein is the big lever mm-hmm. of that. And protein is the most satiating hormone. So as we get older, you're going to, I mean, just naturally, just from what I see and just hormonally, as we go through the stages of life, you know, we're, we need to shift from more kind of glucose burners, more to fat burners as we get older, you know, and, and that's going to be your approach. You know, if you look at like, even like Joe Friel, some of these people publishing highly, you know, in the endurance space after 50, almost everyone who's writing about exercise after 50 has somehow come along to low carbohydrate <laughs> diets. You know, um, look at uh, in, in South Africa, you know, Bruce Fordyce won nine comrades marathons. You know, I did that run t- twice and I can't, believe he ran that thing nine times under six hours you know, that's the big 56 mile ultra you know so he was gaining weight right here's bruce Fordyce, you know world famous guy you know run sub six over that course 56 miles you know incredible you know without the fancy nike shoes you know so he was gaining weight and he spoke with tim noakes you know who's you know, wrote the lore of running. so he he's been probably you know just looked him up because 10 years ago he kind of went through his own journey of this and uh and going low carbohydrate, can run again, lost the weight, Bruce Fordyce, same story. You know, even like Dave Scott, you know, listen listen to Dave Scott now. He was the carb burner, then he got a cardiac condition, and now he's like total food pyramid upside down, (laughs) Ironmans, Mark Allen, you know, like look at all the epic athletes from our generation. Now they're, you know respectfully we're all old geezers now right? but the ones who are still in the game who still look good right like they're they're not out racing anymore they know that you know their bodies don't want to put that stress but you just look at them as humans and these people look like healthy humans right you're like that dude's 65 right you're like no way <laughs> they look good you know? <laughs> yeah they look lean they're surfing you know they're like wait that, they don't look they, they look good Yeah. That's what you want. Yeah. So, so just understand your metabolism. If you're putting weight on the belly, you got to fix your diet. That's not an exercise issue. That's a metabolic issue because that means you're storing and you can't burn that fat. So I hope that just general information kind of helps people, you know, not, you know, there's so much in the weeds now about percentages of this or that, but it's irrelevant outside of knowing, you know, what your own goals and metabolism are. and, And, you know, is it, one week of performance, or is it 40 more years of absolute health? That's what I care about.
0: Yeah, that's, I, I think that's important to, it's always an important thing to hit because so many people like are just focused on that next race or the goal race, not the, like, do you want to feel awesome in decades to come? Yes. Ultimately, <laughs> like that's what we, we always need to think about that long-term, not that short-term goal.
1: Amen to that. Yeah. We know that just constant, you know, constant chronic hard cardio is probably not a good thing for most, Mm -hmm. you know, hard tempo runs, you know, really hard bike efforts week after week, after week, year after year, after year, you know, might again, Mm -hmm. like there's outliers who can tolerate that, but you know, that can really drive negative effects on the cardiovascular system.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: As you get older, sprint, crossfit it, you know, do other, other forms of activity. Yeah, and
0: and you know, varying it is always like when I'm programming for people, it's like I'm programming tempo runs, intervals, long yeah. runs, easy runs, Mix like short easy, like, and also doing their strength stuff too. Like it's important yeah. to put that variety in for so many reasons.
1: Yeah, behind me is my little kettlebell station by my desk. Nice, you know, it's staring right at me because I can't ignore it for more than a couple of days.
0: Right. <laughs> Like,
1: I walk in, like, Shit, those damn kettlebells are yelling at me.
0: <laughs> awesome. Um, if you could get me the link for that article or a PDF version of it, however you want to send it to me, so yeah. I can put in the show notes, that would be great. Um,
1: and if- I have a book. I wrote a book explaining all this. It's called Run for Your Life, uh, published by Alfred Knopf, 2018. You know, it's got 19 chapters, mostly about, you know, very, I'd say 20% of it's actually about running, um, but most of it's about human health, run for your life. And my website for that is runforyourlifebook.com. We have a ton of videos on biomechanics and, you know, strength training and different mobility strength exercises for, you know, runners are really all athletes. Um, so that's a good place to, to check out too, if any of this isn't, in, in, you know, curious at all.
0: Perfect. We will throw all of that in the show notes. Uh, well, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate it. No, my
1: pleasure. It's been after fun. your long
0: day of work. So
1: fun to share. Good. Okay.
0: So, awesome. All right.
1: Ciao. Stay, stay cool out there.
0: I'll do my best.
1: Arizona land. All right. <laughs> Bye.
0: Bye. And before I close out today, I want to take a moment to talk to you about the foot and ankle fix for runners. Foot and ankle pain is such a common injury with runners, and yet it doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be bothering you constantly. It doesn't have to be shutting you down from being able to run. But many times it does because we don't do the right things for it. That is why I created the foot and ankle fix for runners. It's an online program that'll give you the right things to do in order to resolve your foot and ankle issues once and for all and let you really get back to training like you want to so if you're interested in checking out the foot and ankle fix for runners head over to getyourfixpt.com courses and you can see a link for the foot and ankle fix for runners as well as all of my other online programs Thank you again so much for listening today. I really hope you enjoyed this conversation. And until next time, let's go out and be highly functional.